Welcome to a new series, brand new series, which we are doing in conjunction with our partners at Chayenu. Chayenu is a weekly uh, Torah journal that includes the study sessions for uh, the daily study, study sessions for uh, Chumash and Tanya and uh, Rambam, as well as many other tracks of study, including a section every week in some uh, Hasidic discourse. So right now, starting this week, the Chayena will have Kuntras and Yonah Shalteris HaChasidis. Kuntras and Yonah Shalteris HaChasidis is often referred to as on the essence of Chassidus. And uh, we'll be studying just a little bit of it every week over the coming weeks and months. The entire discourse is, I believe, 21 chapters. Some nights we will study one chapter, some nights we will study more. Um, just a little bit on the background of this Kuntras. Kuntras literally means a booklet or a pamphlet. It began as a spoken address, specifically at the Rebbe's Yudtes Kislev Fabrengen. Yudtes Kislev is known as the Rosh Hashanah Lechsidis. It is the anniversary of the liberation from imprisonment of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, the first Rebbe of Chabad. And every year there is a great celebration on that, on that date, the Rebbe would always lead a fabrengen, a gathering for Yutes Kislev. And on the occasion of Yutes Kislev, Tavshin Chavvav, you're talking about December of 1965, um, there was a Yutes Kislev fabrengen. And at that fabrengen, the Rebbe generally, Yutes Kislev, would address the theme of what is Chsidis, after all. Yutes Kislev is Rosh Hashanah Lechsidis. So what is Chsidis? What is this innovation? What did, what did it bring to the world? Uh, what's necessary about it? What was its significance historically? And what continues to be its uh, significance today? That was always a theme uh, on, at a Yutes Kislev Febrengen. At this particular Yutes Kislev Febrengen, the Rebbe spoke at length and sort of presented what you might call a systematic uh, or, or a, a categorized or organized presentation of what exactly is Teirus meaning the teaching. Specifically, I'm saying Teirus as opposed to Chsidis, which can mean the way of life of Chsidis or the, the movement or, or, or even the culture. But Teirus means the teachings, the teachings of Chassidus. How do we define the teaching of, uh, teachings of Chassidus? What makes, what, make, what makes the teachings of Chassidus distinct? Um, what are the um, hallmarks of the teachings of Chassidus? What defines them? What sets them apart? Um, you know, how would you describe Chassidus or the teachings of Chassidus? I know, you know, <laughs> I, I've in my capacity as a, as a teacher uh, who teaches chassidus quite often, um, you know, I've many times had to write a, a summary of what a class is about. And sometimes I'm writing it, very often I'm writing it for people who are not familiar with chassidus. 
So there's always that struggle, like, well, do you say it's a class in chassidus? Well, what is chassidus? You know, so how do you define chassidus? So you, so you just say, well, chassidic teachings. Well, it's sort of, it, it, that's translating it, but it's not defining it. It doesn't explain what it means, what it is. I mean, chassidic teachings isn't any more understandable than saying chassidus. It's just, you know, using English words or <laughs> semi-English chassidic, you know, is... <laughs> an adaptation of a, of a Hebrew word to an English word, an anglicized word, and then teachings, I guess, is an English word. But still, what does it mean? Chassidic teachings. Okay, but what are the, what are the teachings of Chassidus? And, and, and how are they different than the teachings of the rest of, of Torah? And at any rate, that's what this kuntris, this booklet, is about. Uh, it, it, it takes the Rebbe's sicha, uh, uh, the Rebbe's address, from the Yutes Kislev Fabrengen of Tavshin Chavav, and uh, they, they, they edited it, and they put it into writing, and they gave it to the Rebbe for review. Actually, interestingly, the first place where this work appeared printed was in Volume 1 of Sefer Ho'erchen. I don't know how many people are familiar with Sefer Ho'erchen, but uh, I think actually... Technically, people who know Dikduk will probably be cringing right now the way I'm pronouncing it. It's probably Sefer HaRochim, but we all say Sefer HaErchen. Uh, Sefer HaErchen is an encyclopedia which was edited, basically compiled, written by the, the scholar Reb Yoel Khan, may he be well. One of, if not the uh, greatest student of Chassidus in our generation. Um, so, the Kuntras and Yonishalteris appeared the first time it was printed as a supplement to the to the first volume of Sefer Erchen. At any rate, without further ado, let's delve into the text. And I want to encourage everybody to use the chat um, to ask questions. Please, uh, it gives the class sort of uh, you know a dynamic flow where there's you know actual reactions and questions uh, I, I, I won't be able to necessarily answer every question or answer it immediately but I really do appreciate if people do respond in the chat now I understand most people are going to be watching this class on archive and they will not be able to interact but even if you're watching this on archive if it's during the time when the class is still being recorded, please email me at rabbi at soulwords.org, rabbi at soulwords.org, and uh, Blinether, if the question fits, we will we'll work it into, a, into the next class, and we'll address it. We'll address it. Um, and I, I, want, I want to mention again that we're doing this in partnership with Chayenu, and that's why if you want to find these classes in archives, uh, you'll find them at soulwords.org slash In fact, that's probably how you found this page. If you're not watching it live on the Zoom, you're probably at soulwords.org slash Okay, let's jump in. Kuntras and Yonishalteris Achsidis, a booklet or a pamphlet on the essence of chassidus. 
teachings of Chassidus, the essence of the teachings of Chassidus. Regarding what is Chassidus, that's how I'm going to translate inyana, the matter of Chassidus, but maybe it's better to say, what is it? What is Chassidus? The Hachidus Sheba, as well as its innovative aspect, over the portions of Torah that were revealed historically prior to it. There's an unspoken question here. The unspoken question is, if Chassidus is indeed so important, so vital, why didn't it come along until so recently? Chassidus is a relatively recent advent. Um, it's really, if you think about it, uh, the Alter Rebbe, who wrote Tanya, um, you're talking about Lahavdil, it's about as old as the United States of America. Okay, it's not ancient, it's not even medieval, it's fairly modern. It's, it's just, I mean, depending how far you want to go back to the Alter Rebbe, you want to go back to the Magid, all the way back to the Malshamtiv, but it's 300 years old. Which, compared to the tradition, you know, that we have going back to, to Moses, where you're talking about uh, 3,300 and some years, so it's, this is relatively new. And, and the question becomes, you know, why didn't it come along until so recently? And what advantage does it pose over, you know, we have plenty of Torah from, from through the ages, so what did Chassidus contribute that was new? So regarding this question, what is Chassidus and what's its Chiddush? What's its innovative aspect? What did it add? What did it contribute? Nemru biurim rabim. Many explanations have been said. Umehem. Among them being. Colon. Okay. And now, four. We're going to have a list of four explanations of what is Chassidus. And what is innovative about it? These are the four uh, suggested answers to this question. And, and I'm just going to, you know, this is a spoiler alert, but in, in, very soon, not, not tonight, but in the next class, the Rebbe will say, mm, those are all good, but none of them are the essence of Chassidus. So I'm just giving you a heads up. They're all true, but none of them are the essence of Chassidus. All right. So here we go. Aleph. Bismane shel habalshemtov hoyoho elum bematsav shel hisalfos. In the times of the balshemtov, the world was in a state of spiritual unconsciousness or a faint, like somebody who faints. Va'al yidei giluya balshemtov v'teres achsidis, and through the revelation of the balshemtov as a personality and a leader, as well as his teachings, which are called teres achsidis, nisoyred ho'elim mihisalfusay, the world was revived, was awoken from its faint. In other words, the first explanation is sort of a, a, a historical. Uh, explanation. What is the significance, significance of Chassidus? It came along at a critical juncture in history. There was a time where the Jewish people were 
in peril. There was a in, there was impending spiritual crisis, as material and spiritual. Um, the, the situation was there was grinding poverty. There was a great deal of uh, division between different classes of Jews. There were the scholars, and then there were the regular folk, and there was a great divide between them. There was also the, the, the Jewish world was still reeling from what until that point had been the biggest uh, genocide of the Jewish people in, in, in Eastern Europe. Uh, the Xeris Takvatat, which we're talking about 1648 and 1649, that's just prior to the advent of the Baal Shem Tov. So that wiped out, I believe, a third of, of Eastern Europe's Jewry, and it was absolutely demoralizing and devastating. Uh, plus, you had the great uh, disillusionment regarding the false messiah of Shabzai Tzvi, and then the Frankists who followed him. So there were all types of reasons why the Jewish people at, at, at the time, right before the Baal Shem Tov emerged on the scene, why the Jewish people were really in peril. And the Baal Shem Tov came and he woke the Jewish people up. Um, when somebody faints, our tradition tells us that the way to revive them is you say their name. A name has a connection to a deeper, a deeper level of consciousness. So when someone faints, you, you whisper their name and, and, it, and it revives them. The Jewish people are referred to as Yisrael. Yisrael is the name of the Jewish people. The Baal Shem Tov's name was also Yisrael. So there's a sort of poetry there. Yisrael Baal Shem Tov came to wake up Yisrael. The Jewish people. So that's one explanation. What is the significance of Chassidus? It is this, um, the teachings of Chassidus came at a critical juncture, they revived the Jewish people, they sort of snapped us out of it so that we would, you know, come to and we wouldn't, God forbid, succumb to this, you know, comatose state. All right, base. Chosid hu she'ese lifnim mishuras hadin. A chassid is one who goes beyond the letter of the law. So now we're having sort of a more ethical description of what is Tehidus HaChassidus. Um, it is a body of teachings which encourage extra pious or extra scrupulous behavior. And not just extra pious and extra scrupulous, but as we're about to explain, altruistic. Altruistic, meaning self-transcendent. Where do we, as we're going to see, where do we get this idea that a chosid, the name chosid, is one who goes beyond the letter of the law? Like our sages say, it's actually, it's a gemara. Serfan chosid, one who burns them, his nails, his nail trimmings, is called a chosid. Even though it damages him. Um, the trimmings of, 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 of one's nails are damaging to pregnant women. If a pregnant woman steps upon the nails, it's, it's, it's not good. So um, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to dispose of the nails so it doesn't cause this, this damage to a pregnant woman. How should you dispose of them? Well, bury them. You should bury them. Like, uh, you know, with, uh, with any part of a, a body that, that, that's lost. I mean, the, the nails aren't really living, but uh, nevertheless, to bury them is, that, that would be the best thing to do for yourself. However, however, 
Somebody who's extra sensitive might say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that because if I bury the nails, they still exist. They could turn back up and a woman could still step on them and it, it would damage her. So I don't want that to happen. I want to completely uh, obviate any possibility of damage coming to someone else. So I'm going to burn the nails and they won't exist anymore. Now, there's a catch. Anytime a part of one's body is burned, it damages the person. How does it damage the person? What, what's the nature of the damage? That's another discussion. The point is though, that if you burn your nails, it hurts you. I'm not saying it physically causes pain. I'm saying it causes some type of damage. It's not healthy for you. And that's why it's not required. According to the law, it's sufficient to bury your nail trimmings. You don't have to burn them because the law is not gonna require, require you to hurt yourself in order to avoid hurting this pregnant woman or her fetus. In other words, you know, she's important, but you're also important. So you don't have to, you know, you have to, you don't have to treat her more carefully than you treat yourself. However, and that, that's the letter of the law. The chassid says, I'm going to go beyond the letter of the law. I'm going to do something that will damage me in order to avoid a risk, even a risk of damaging someone else. And that's the, that's the source. It refers to this person who makes that choice as a chassid. So what is Torah's Chassidus, the teachings of Chassidus? It is a body of teachings that lead one to a level of altruism and self-transcendence where one puts their own concerns secondary to the greater good. Okay, so that's another way of explaining what Chassidus is, all right? So we've had a historical way of explaining it. Chassidus came along at this critical juncture to revive the Jewish people from their comatose state. Now we have the more ethical explanation. Chassidus is a body of teachings which inspires extra sensitive, extra scrupulous, altruistic behavior. All right, let's look now at three. Gimel. The distinctive quality of the teachings of Chassidus is that one's natural faculties are transformed into godly faculties. Ukemaimer Rebbeinu Azokin, like the Alter Rebbe, Balatanya, the author of the Tanya, says, Balatanya Vehashochanorech. The Alter Rebbe is the author of both of the Tanya as well as the Code of Jewish Law. Quote, Kol Inyin Echsidis, who? Leshanes Tevemidesov. The whole Inyin, the whole point of Chsidis is to change the nature of one's attributes. This is actually a story. There's a story behind this. And it's in Lakuti Deburim, which are sikhas of the Friedrich Rebbe. Uh, the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the Alter Rebbe's grandson, asked the Alter Rebbe, what is the Inyan of Chassidus? And uh, meaning, what's the point? What point is Chassidus driving at? And so the Alter Rebbe answered his grandson, the Inyan of Chassidus, the point that Chassidus is driving at, is to change Tevamidosov, the nature of one's character traits. And, and the Rebbe makes a diuk, the Rebbe points out here. Not just to change his natural attributes, but also to change the nature of his attributes. So there are two things. There are natural traits. What's a natural trait? It means a trait that you were born with, a trait that you have, you naturally. Na natu nature means that it's native. You were born with it. Literally, that's what it means. Um, so, you know, somebody is more 
he was born more impatient. So he has to work on that. Or he's born more um, prone to anger. So he has to work on that, right? Okay, so those are called natural traits. So to work on your natural traits means don't just be who you were born as. Work on yourself and, and change your character traits. But then there's the nature of character traits. That's much deeper. That means we're talking about the very nature of how character traits operate. You understand the difference? Now we're not talking about the traits of your nature or the traits that are natural to you. We're talking about the nature of traits. What, what do I mean? There are certain properties of character traits that, that, that if you define certain character traits, this is what they are. They are what they are. So, for instance, you know, to give the examples that we were using before, impatience is impatience. Anger is anger. To change the nature of the traits doesn't just mean to change myself and my relationship with those traits. It means to change the way those traits work. By, by, by nature, chesed is chesed and gvura is gvura. That's what makes them, that's what makes chesed chesed and that's what makes gvura gvura. They have different natures. So to change the nature of traits means to get in there so deeply that you're actually changing the way the traits function to the extent that they can even work in a manner that is counter to their very nature, to the very aspects that define them. So that's obviously a much deeper level of transformation. At any rate, this is our third explanation of what this is. It's more about, um, I'd say, maybe call it emotional development. Okay, so to review, the first explanation is more of the historical. So this came to revive the Jewish people at a critical juncture in history. The second explanation, chassidus, it's more of the ethical explanation. Chassidus is what teaches you to appreciate being scrupulous to the point of altruism. And, and then the third explanation we just had here is that chassidus is um, about how to master your character traits to the point of even changing the very nature of traits themselves. Okay. Dalit, the fourth and final suggestion for what might be the nature of Chassidus or the definition of Chassidus. Teiris HaChassidus Chidsha, teachings of Chassidus innovated, Asher Kol Echad V'Echad, that every individual, every one of us, Gam Mishe'ein Loi Neshama Gavaya, even one who does not have a lofty soul, Vegam Loi Zikech Es Atzmai, and even one who hasn't refined himself. See, those are two different things. A person could have a lofty soul. That means he's just naturally more spiritually sensitive. Then there could be somebody, he doesn't have a lofty soul, but he put in the work and he became spiritually sensitive. Chassidus innovated that, that everyone, even if they weren't given a, a natural talent for spiritual sensitivity, and even if they haven't acquired uh, spiritual sensitivity, even though if they're just regular people like us, Yuchul lahasigelakus, they will be able to understand godliness. Abstract concepts in general are challenging. But elokos, godliness, you're talking about, you know, infinity, first of all. So infinity is something we can't wrap our minds around. And then just God is unknowable. So what language is there for discussing godliness? So it used to be the regular people, they didn't have a language for connecting to the idea of godliness. It was, and now you could have faith. Of course you could have faith. But faith is a totally different matter, isn't it? Faith means I can't explain it. But hasaga means, no, I could explain to you what it is. I could speak about it intelligently. 
before Chassidus, it wasn't possible for most people. But Chassidus innovated that regular people can discuss godliness. It gave us a language, in other words. That through the teachings of Chassidus explaining the secrets of Torah, and bringing them near to our intellect by using practical examples from our own human experience. So this gave the possibility to every individual to understand even the level of soid, the esoteric level of Torah. Not only with the intellect of his godly soul, you know, in Tanya we talk about the two souls. The godly soul is a being which obviously relates to godliness because it is godliness. So not only does the person through chsidis understand godliness with the intellect of his godly soul, even his intellectual soul, there's actually a third soul, the intellectual soul, the intellectual soul is a, is a mamutza, is an intermediary between the godly soul and the animal soul. Uh, very, very quickly, the godly soul thinks about godliness. That's all it cares about, and that's really all it understands. The animal soul thinks about what's good for it. And then you have, in between, you have the, you call it the, the diplomat, the nefesh because these two uh, souls aren't going to talk to each other. They don't have a common language. The go-between is the nefesh that's why when we make choices, I don't want to get into a whole discussion about Tanya, but when we make choices, basically the nefesh asichlis, the intellectual soul, um, negotiating a deal between the godly soul and the animal soul, nefesh asichlis appreciates ideas. So it's more able to appreciate abstraction than the animal soul. The animal soul wants the cake now. The intellectual soul appreciates things like deferring my gratification for a greater cause, you know, ideas. But it's, it, it's, it's not a godly soul. For instance, you know, delayed gratification. It appreciates that on a philosophical level. It's not looking at that the way a godly soul would look at it. A godly soul would look at it as, is it an opportunity to lose myself in the one or not? It's looking at it in a binary way of, am I connecting to the infinite and losing myself in it or am I not? And, and the, the intellectual soul is more the philosopher. And he, it's just looking for interesting ideas. So what that, that's the advantage of it, because sometimes what it can do is it can take godliness, which the godly soul appreciates, and it can turn around and it can translate godly ideas into more idea ideas, philosophical ideas, and then even somehow successfully translate that to the experience of the animal soul, which is concerned with you know, immediate uh, payoff. So at any rate, chsidis is this language that enables us to understand, to understand godliness not only with the intellect of the godly soul, which that wouldn't really be a chiddish anyways, because that's how the godly soul already understands life, but even with the intellectual soul. So the intellectual soul, which automatically understands philosophy, but not necessarily godliness, chiddish enables the intellectual soul to understand godliness. And even further, we're not done yet, ad, until even, chiddish even, can successfully impart an understanding of godliness to the animal soul. Okay, so just to review very quickly, four suggestions for what Chassidus is all about and what it innovated. One is the historical explanation. It came along at a, at a moment of crisis and it saved the Jews and by extension saved the world. The second one is 
that uh, Chassidus is this ethical system that makes you extra pious and altruistic and you, you put others before yourself. Uh, the third one is Chassidus is sort of this uh, system for transforming your emotional traits, your character traits, um, on, on, a, on a very deep level. And the fourth one is that Chassidus is a language for describing the indescribable, for communicating infinite ideas, godly ideas to the, to the animal soul, ultimately, you know, all the way down to, to, to the animal soul. So those are the four approaches. Somebody asked a question, does the Tanya speak at all of the intellectual soul? Uh, why not? So um, first of all, I, I want to recommend everyone on Soul Words, the classes on Tanya. There are a series of classes that go through the 53 chapters of Tanya. I do speak about this over there, that the godly soul and the animal soul are the obviously the, the main characters of Tanya. The intellectual soul is hinted to in a number of places in Tanya, uh, specifically at the end of chapter 2. Um, but a very simple explanation, why does the Tanya not focus on the intellectual soul as a subject unto itself, or even as an explicit subject. Um, so I, I remember I said earlier, when you're choosing between, when you, whenever you're choosing between right and wrong, it's essentially an, a, the act of the intellectual soul negotiating or brokering a deal between the godly soul and the animal soul. So if you think about it like this, the, the, the Tanya doesn't speak so much about the intellectual soul because the Tanya is speaking to the intellectual soul. Who's learning Tanya? The intellectual soul. The godly soul doesn't need to learn Tanya. It's already godly. The animal soul can't learn Tanya. It's just, uh, I mean, on its own, it can't learn Tanya. But the intellectual soul learns Tanya and then can even translate it to the animal soul. Okay. Was Chassidus not revealed at Sinai is a question here. All of Taita was revealed at Sinai, right? That's, that's what our sages tell us, that every chidush, every new innovation that will come out was already given to Meshe Rabbeinu from Mount Sinai. So obviously, Chassidus was given at Sinai, and that's why, if you notice here, um, at the very beginning, um, there's a word here, maybe I didn't... Uh, make hay of it, but at the very beginning, What is the innovation of Chassidus over the other parts of the Torah? Which were revealed prior to it. It's all about revelation. So all of Torah is there already from day one, right? Like, Rabbeinu HaKadosh didn't write down the Mishnah uh, and, and, until, uh, you know, centuries after Meish Rabbeinu, but all of the teachings of the Mishnah were there in the original Torah as it was taught by Meish Rabbeinu. So later advents within Torah are not additions, but revelations. So we, it's very important to use that word, revelation. Uh, in other words, it's all there in the code, but it hadn't been yet unpacked. But it still begs the question, okay, but... How come earlier things were unpacked or decoded, you know, relatively early in Jewish history? And Chassidus, if it's, after all, if it's so important, how come it wasn't, even if you're going to say it was revealed, it was unpacked, it was always there, but it had to be brought to light. 
Okay, but why wasn't it unpacked or revealed or brought to light until such a relatively recent time? Okay, anything else for now? Okay, um, good night, and we'll see you all uh, next week for class two.